Good morning, Lakeview Church. It is so good to be with you, so good to see each and every one of you. And for those of you who are joining us online, just want to say a special welcome to you. We're glad you've logged on from wherever you're at right now to gather with us in worship. So thanks for being here with us today. I'm excited about what we're starting today. We're starting a brand new message series and we're launching into 21 days of prayer. And this is an exciting season in the life of our church. I've been working on this series pretty much all year uh, in anticipation of 21 days of prayer in August, just asking the Lord to teach us more about what it means to live the spirit-filled life. And in just a moment, we're going to kick off this series. But before we do that, I want to just say a little bit about a couple of things that I want you to lean into here at Lakeview Church. And the first is 21 days of prayer. We are starting that today. We're launching into that uh, tomorrow morning right here in this sanctuary. The doors will be open 6.30 a.m., we, for those of you who don't know, we have a daily Bible reading plan that we're a part of. And if you've not been a part of that, you don't need to go back and catch up. Don't worry about that. Just take a deep breath. It's okay. Just pick up one of the bookmarks at our Welcome Center and start tomorrow. Okay, because we're going to begin right here at 6.30 in the morning with our daily Bible reading for the day. And then we're going to spend an hour in prayer. We'll dismiss right at 7.30, and if you need to leave before 7.30, that's fine if you've got to get to work or have other obligations, but we're going to gather in this space 6.30 in the morning, and we are going to pray. For those of you who have been here, you know how it works, but for those of you who don't or haven't been here yet, I want to just let you know what we do. We read the scripture for the day, and then we have an opening prayer, and then we just turn on some music, and we let people just kind of walk around the sanctuary or sit in pews or kneel at the altar, kind of whatever you want to do, whatever posture works best for you, and we just spend an hour in prayer. Some of you will say, but music distracts me, and we have our prayer room that we set aside, which is out here in our lobby, and we don't have music playing in there, and that's a place where you can go and pray in a quiet atmosphere, and we just want to seek the Lord together in prayer. So we'll be doing that during the weekdays, and then on Saturday morning at 8 a.m., we'll be here in the sanctuary again. We'll have a time of worship, a short devotional, and then we're going to pray throughout our building. So on Saturday mornings, we literally open up the kids' space, the youth room, the sanctuary. We just encourage people to go throughout our building and pray for what takes place on this campus that God would move here. And Jared said it earlier, it is 100% true. We believe that the only hope for our lives, for our city, for our county, and for our world is God. Amen? And so that's why we seek God in prayer, because we are just not that good without him. We can't do anything of substance or lasting value without his presence. That's why we do 21 days of prayer. So we want to encourage you to lean in, be a part of that uh, over these next 21 days. The second thing I want to talk to you about, I guess I should talk to you about these books first, though. If you need help, knowing how to pray for an hour. We got these prayer books and there's a table back at the back of the lobby. These are free of charge. Just pick one up and it just gives you some guidance in how to pray. And this will help you during 21 days of prayer. Sorry that I forgot to talk about those. Uh, second thing I want to talk to you about is a new ministry initiative that's coming this fall that we're going to launch on Wednesday night, September the 7th. We're calling it Wednesdays at Lakeview. 
And Wednesdays at Lakeview really came out of a desire that I started sensing earlier this year that we need to go deeper as a church, deeper in our life of faith. We need to have a place where we are becoming more rooted and grounded in the word of God and in the doctrine of the Christian faith. We need a place where we can be equipped and mobilized to go out into our community as everyday missionaries. And so as we got together as a leadership team, we've been talking about this for a couple of months now with different people in the church and different groups and committees and boards and just been having this discussion of what would it be like if we dedicated Wednesday nights to be a night where we could go deeper as a church. We know that we need to go wider. We talked about that last week. We've got to get out there and we've got to share our hope and we've got to share our church and we've got to share our faith and all of that's 100% true. But as we grow wider, we must also grow deeper as a church. And so we've dedicated this new ministry initiative which will launch on Wednesday night, September 7th called Wednesdays at Lakeview and it's for the whole family. We've got ministry literally for every age group including nursery. So all the way from beginning to end, we've got ministry for everyone on Wednesday nights. So on Wednesday nights, it's gonna start at 5 p.m. Now that part is optional, but we're gonna provide a meal here, a very inexpensive meal for less than $5 a person, and you'll be able to come in You'll be able to purchase a meal for you and anybody that's with you, and, and we'll be able to just share a meal together and have good conversation and good community. The food line will be open till about 5.45, so you can go through up until 5.45. If you come at 5.45, you need to eat fast because the program is gonna start at 6 p.m. It's gonna be a great time for every age group. Our kids' ministry's been designing a brand new Wednesday night program that will include worship and teaching. Kids will be invited to participate in small group discussions, and they're gonna have fun games and activities. It's gonna be a great time for our kids. At the same time kids are doing that, we're gonna have youth. They're gonna be doing their weekly gathering on Wednesday nights, and they'll have a time of worship, a time of teaching. They'll be invited into small groups as well, and they're gonna have hangout time in the youth room and the gym. It's gonna be great for our teens. But we're not leaving the adults out while the kids and the teens are doing that. We're gonna have small groups that are gonna be meeting right here on campus. Some of those will be discipleship pathway groups. Some of those will be interest-based groups. The women's ministry Bible study uh, group's going to be meeting on Wednesday night. It's going to be a great time for everyone to be together. We're also going to offer some workshops. So things like how to share your faith and, and how to discover your personal calling in life. We're going to also be working on some workshops related to like just practical things like how to develop a budget and manage our money in ways that honor God. We want to resource people to be rooted and grounded and we want you to be equipped and mobilized so that you can be the kind of disciple our world needs right now. So we're dedicating Wednesday nights to this process and we wanna invite you to be a part of that. Now, we're gonna be doing all of those activities on Wednesday nights with, with one exception every month. On the first Wednesday of every month, we will gather in this room for a family worship service. All ages will be here, kids all the way up will be in this room together and we're gonna sing the songs of the faith, we're gonna pray together as a church and we're gonna celebrate and receive the Lord's Supper together in this space on Wednesday nights and then we're gonna hear Bible teaching that will help us go deeper in the faith. And this is gonna be a time for us as a church. I know some of you are like, we gotta do something besides Sunday? 
Yes, please. We're living, we're living in a challenging time. And the church has to be resourced and equipped to be the kind of people that God needs us to be for this day and this time. So we're setting aside these Wednesdays at Lakeview to really go deeper as a church. And I want to invite you to be a part of that with us. You say, what time is this all going to be over every Wednesday night? We will wrap up everything by 7.30 every Wednesday night. So for those of you who have kids that need to be in bed, or if you need to be in bed, you'll have time to get there, okay? So I want us this fall to grow wider as a church, as we share our faith and we share our church and we share our hope. But I also want us to grow deeper. I want us to become a deeper church that reflects the character of Christ in our world. And before we get into this morning's message, I just want to stop and pray that God will help us do those two things. So pray with me. God, we come before you right now and we're so very grateful for your presence in this room. God, even as we have worshiped you this morning, we have sensed that you are here and you are moving among us. And God, I believe that you're calling us as a church to grow wider as we, as we engage in evangelism and sharing our faith and sharing our hope with those around us. Help us to do that well. Give us courage and boldness and connections to be able to share your truth with others. And God, even as we are growing wider as a church, would you help us to go deeper? Lord, we need to place our feet upon the solid rock of your word and your truth so that when the, the waves and the wind of this world try to knock us around, we can stand strong. Lord, help us to be a church that's growing wider and growing deeper so that we can represent you well in this day and in this time. And God, as we turn our attention now to the word that's already been read for us, would you speak to us in this time? And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting a brand new series today, which I'm calling The Spirit-Filled Life. And even when we talk about that phrase, the Spirit-Filled Life, some of us are like, what does that exactly Mean Well, the spirit-filled life is really an essential component to living this deeper life that I think all of us are called to live. And it really comes from a verse of scripture that the apostle Paul, a first century church leader, wrote to a group of Christians in Ephesus. And in the book of Ephesians, which we're not going to study in depth today, but, but if you think about the book of Ephesians in two parts, the first part, Paul talks a lot about the kind of theology or the doctrine or the foundations of the Christian faith. And then when he gets to the second half of the book of Ephesians, he starts talking about how do we practically live out the Christian faith? And in Ephesians chapter five, he's talking to the church there and he's saying, as you go out into the world, you ought to live as children of light in this dark world. And, and as he's kind of expounding on what that looks like and what that means, he comes to verse 18 where he says this, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not a sermon about not drinking. That's not what I came to talk to you about today because we got more important things to talk about. Paul is not using this verse to just communicate 
the bad choices that you might make as it relates to alcohol. Although we recognize that if you get into a life of alcohol addiction, you could be in real trouble, right? Because it will destroy your life. But that's not what this verse is really about. Paul is saying, we know what wine does. When you drink wine, you are giving up control of your mind and your life and your choices to the influence of something else. You're letting that take over control of your life. And he says, when you are drunk with wine, you are under the influence of alcohol. You have given up control of yourself to that substance. And Paul says, don't do that. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's Paul communicating? He's saying, your job as a follower of Jesus Christ is to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. To give up control of your life to something outside of yourself, the Holy Spirit, who wants to come in and take control of the way you think and the way you process and the way you respond and the decisions that you make. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't give yourself to that influence. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Let him control your life. Now, this is important for us to understand because you can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. In fact, I, I did some, uh, some research over the last few weeks and I put together just a quick survey of verses in the Bible, at least some of the verses in the Bible that speak about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want to just kind of walk through these with you. So the first thing that I want you to know is that the Holy Spirit draws you to Christ. The Holy Spirit draws you to Christ. John 6, says, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. You can't come to Christ on your own. Nobody finds Jesus. Jesus finds you. You don't decide one day that you're going to seek him out and find him on your own. You're not capable of that. You can't come to the Father unless you're drawn by him. In the Wesleyan church, we call this prevenient grace. It's a fancy term, which just means the grace that goes before. There's grace that saves us, but even before you're saved by God's grace, there's a grace that draws you. And if you go back, for those of you who are Christ followers and you think about your story, you know that there was, was something happening inside of you that started opening you up to this idea of Jesus and who he was and what he had to offer. And that's the father drawing you to himself. We know that the way that this happens is that the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and righteousness. John 16, eight, this is Jesus talking and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. How do you know what is right and what is wrong? The Holy Spirit of God convicts you of sin and righteousness and the coming judgment. And that's part of what draws you to the Father. And then you come to this place of faith. And when you come to the place of faith, the Holy Spirit gives you new birth. In John chapter three, Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus and, and Jesus talks to him about the fact that you gotta be born twice. You gotta be born of water, just the natural birth that we all experience. 
You, if you didn't experience that, you're not human. You have, to, you have to be born the natural way, but if you wanna be a follower of Jesus, you have to be born the spiritual way. And this is being born again. And the Holy Spirit gives you that new birth. Jesus says this in John 3. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Next, the Holy Spirit confirms that you are God's child. So you come to faith, you're born again, you have this spiritual life that God has given you, and then how do you know you're a child of God? Because the Spirit of God enters your life and actually tells you that you're a child of God. In Romans chapter eight, Paul says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. And now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And as God's children, the Holy Spirit then teaches us and guides us into all truth. In John 16, again, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Not only that, but he guarantees you of your future. The spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he's purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So God gives us his spirit. The spirit tells us we are God's children. And because we have the spirit in our lives, we know that whatever God has promised for our future will come to pass. He is our deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And then Perhaps the most common way we think about the Holy Spirit is that he is our helper. In John chapter 16, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit's gonna help you live the Christian life. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Think about what Jesus is saying to his disciples. They've been with him for three years and he's saying, it will be better for you if I leave you. Why? Because if I don't go away, then the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, then I will send him to you and you will have the help you need for the Christian life. Listen, this quick survey, and that's all it is, just a few of all of the verses in the Bible that talk about this truth, all communicate the same thing. You cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. When you come to faith, you came because the Holy Spirit drew you. And, and when you recognize what's right and what's wrong, that was the Holy Spirit's work. And when you came to faith and you were made into a new creation, the Holy Spirit did that for you. And he teaches you and he guides you and he, he guarantees your future. You cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. He is absolutely essential to the Christian life. And yet, some of us, though we began this life with the Spirit's help, try to continue in our own strength. 
We try to do it in our own effort. I I talked about Paul earlier. He wrote to this church in Ephesus, but he also wrote to another group of Christians in Galatia. And in Galatians chapter three, verse three, right in the middle of this letter to these Christians, he says, how foolish, how foolish that though you began this life in the spirit of God, you are now trying to be perfected in your own human effort. See, you can't become a Christian without the Holy Spirit, but there is this human tendency inside of us that after the newness of our faith journey begins to wear off, we resort to trying to do it in our own strength as if we think, God, thanks for giving us a new start. I'll take it from here. And most of you, if you've been Christians for a long time, you can go back to a time in your life where you you really started to wonder, am I really cut out for the Christian life? Can I really do this? Can I really live this way? Because, Because you started and it was so great. It was all new, new creation. You're forgiven. Everything is wonderful. And you love the Lord and you are in his power and in his strength. But then there came this moment when you shifted back into doing things in your own effort and your own strength and your own ability and it got harder. And maybe you fell into temptations and you gave into sin, or maybe you were trying to live for God, trying to walk the straight and narrow, and it seemed easy when you first came to faith, but it seems harder now. That's because you started with the Spirit, but then you tried to perfect yourself in your own human effort. See, this is the problem with the Christian life, that the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. You can't become a Christian without the Holy Spirit. And when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And so if you are a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is in you. The question is not, is the Holy Spirit in you? The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? See, the spirit-filled life isn't about whether or not the Holy Spirit is in you. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. There's no other way to be a Christian. But, But if the Holy Spirit is in you today, the question is, does he have all of you? Are you under the influence and complete control of the Spirit of God? That is the question. Last week, I shared about how I came to faith. And I talked about coming to the altar and, and kneeling at the altar, my parents around me. And, and, and I prayed that God would, would forgive me of my sins, that he would save me, that he would change me. And he did. He did a work of grace and mercy in my life. He, he radically saved me and gave me a whole brand new start. I'm thankful for that. But I'll be honest with you, after the newness of that commitment started to wear off, and it wore off, it does for all of us, I just shifted back into my pre-Christ days of trying to do things in my own effort. I fell into the performance trap that, that this whole life of faith was about the way I performed. And I would have seasons 
You know, I'd hear a good message at church on Sunday morning. I'd rededicate myself. And on Monday morning, I'd get up extra early, open my Bible, try to read like 83 chapters because I had this new passion for God that was ramped up on Sunday. And I would put in all of this effort and try so hard. And for a few days or maybe even a few weeks, I would go to the mountaintop wasn't really a mountaintop of God's work in my life. It was a mountaintop of me feeling good about the way I was performing. And then eventually the energy would wear out. Right? You're just getting up extra early at some point. You just go, you know what? I think I'm going to hit snooze today. And, 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 and you stop reading the Bible and, and you kind of, you just run out of steam. And then I would find myself going down into these valleys. And I would find myself, you know, then coming back to this place of commitment and ramping up the passion again and saying, come on, dig deeper, you can do this. And then I would ramp up my energy again and I would give myself to all of these things that I thought God wanted me to give myself to. I really love the Lord. It's not what the issue was. I really wanted to serve him. That's not what the issue was. I was just doing all of it in my own strength. And eventually that wears out. And I would find myself coming to these places as a teenage boy thinking, how come I can't overcome these temptations? I, I found myself being like Paul in Romans 7, where he said, the things I want to do, I just can't do. And the things I want to stay away from, it doesn't matter how hard I try, I can't stay away from them. And I just found myself constantly being in this, this season of ups and downs, of, of effort for the Lord and then failure for the Lord. And, and being, being on the straight and narrow and then falling away and just up and down and up and down. And I finally got to a place where I was a college student at Indiana Wesleyan attending this church. And I just was praying to the Lord at the end of my sophomore year, God, I am so sick and tired of this up and down. I am so frustrated, so spent. I've been trying to do this in my own energy and I keep coming up empty. Maybe I'm not cut out for the Christian life and I'm certainly not cut out for ministry. And that summer after my sophomore year, as I was in this season of really just despair and discouragement, our family took a family vacation and we went to Florida. And then we took a short cruise to the Bahamas. And as crazy as it seems, that's exactly what my spiritual life needed. We went to Florida. We had a bunch of fun times. We got on this boat. We cruised to the Bahamas. And then we got off the boat and we stayed in this hotel. And, and it was over a weekend. And I don't know how your family does it, but when, when my family went on vacation growing up, we just went to church because that's what you do on Sundays. And so it was Saturday night and we're in the Bahamas and Sunday's coming. So we go to the front desk at the hotel and we say, hey, is there a church like around here somewhere that we could go to? And the lady says, you're in luck because we actually have a church that meets right over there in that conference room, right here in this hotel. So we went to that church on Sunday morning. Now, 
understand I've been really frustrated with my spiritual life. And every day I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I know to do. I'm getting up in the morning. I'm reading my Bible. I'm spending time in prayer and I'm telling God, God, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't think I can do this. And I had written in my journal on that vacation that I was tired of going up and down in my spiritual life. And what I needed the Lord to do was to set me on an even keel. Because I was tired of going up to the mountaintop and then going way down in the valley. I just wanted to have some consistency in my spiritual life. So we go to this hotel church and some of you are gonna think this story's weird that God doesn't do this kind of stuff. And that's okay. You can think that. But we went to this little church. It wasn't a Wesleyan church. I'm sure of that. And, and there was about 30 people in the room and we were four of them. And, and as we're in this little hotel church, we kind of sat, you know, like we're good Wesleyans. So we kind of sat in the back, like a lot of you do kind of, you know, not all the way in the back row necessarily, but like at least the last third, that's where good Wesleyans like to sit. And, and so we sat back there and, and, and they had a boom box. Some of you don't even know what a boom box is, but, but that's how they played music. And they just had this little boom box up front and they had CDs and between every song they changed the CD and, and, and we would sing with these people. And, and so we, we had some music and, and the music was over and then the pastor got up to lead in prayer and then he was gonna preach. And as he started praying, he walked back to our row. We're clearly the visitors here. I mean, we are tourists. There's no doubt about it. We do not have church clothes. We are wearing, you know, our shorts and T-shirts. And, and, and he comes back to our row. And I'm thinking, oh boy, what's going to happen now? And the, the pastor says, I feel like the Lord has given me a word for a pastor in this row. And he looks at my dad and he says, sir, are you a pastor? And my dad, who did construction, said, no, I'm not a pastor. And the, the pastor said, I'm, I'm sure the Lord's given me a word for a pastor in this row. Well, there ain't nobody else in this row except our family. And so my dad says, well, I'm not a pastor, but my son is studying to be a pastor. And the pastor says, young man, come out here. So I walked out in the center aisle and the, the man looked me in the eye and he said, I believe the, the Lord has a word for you today. And he says, the Lord wants you to know he's heard your cry. He's going to set you on an even keel. Now, I don't know how that weird stuff happens. But I know that that's the word I needed to hear because that's the word I had written in my journal on that trip that God, I need you to set me on an even keel. We finished our trip, we came home and on the night that we arrived back at our house, I went in my bedroom, I was processing all of what this means and, and I remember that night, I, I, I sat down on the edge of my bed and I had, I had really been praying and seeking the Lord. And I really wanted him to do this new work in my life and I didn't even know how to pray about it, but I, I sat on the edge of my bed and I just said, Lord, I am so tired of trying. 
And as I poured out my heart to the Lord, I felt the Lord begin to change the way I was praying, that it wasn't about what I was gonna try or what I was gonna do, that I actually just needed God to do something in me. And there was just a new passion and a new desire that came inside of my heart and my spirit. And I just started crying out to the Lord, not for him to do something for me, but I started crying out to the Lord how much I wanted more of him in me. And I started asking him to empty my life of everything that was not him and for him to fill every part of me, to, to just take over control, to put my life under his influence. And I will tell you right now that as I sat there on the edge of my bed that night, the Holy Spirit of God settled in that room and he filled me to overflowing. It was a whole new work, a whole new level of understanding who God is and what God wants for us. And here's what I'm afraid. I'm afraid that too many of us are living our Christian lives in our own strength. We started in the spirit of God, but we're trying in our own human effort and we're not doing that well. We have a form of godliness, but we deny its power, as Paul says in 2 Timothy. We're going through the motions. We're trying hard. We love the Lord. We really do want to live for him, but we are going about it all wrong. We are doing it in our own strength. And what we need is to empty ourselves and say, Holy Spirit of God, fill us up to overflowing. Now, some of you are like, why did Jared read Luke 11? We haven't even talked about Luke 11. In just this last couple of moments here before we go to a time of prayer, I wanna just open up Luke 11 and, and talk to you about what I think that that has to do with us living the spirit-filled life. Jesus talks about a promise in this verse. Actually, there's two promises. There's a promise that if you keep on asking and you keep on seeking and you keep on knocking, you will receive, you will find, and the door will be opened. And if you ask the Father, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. These are two promises that come in Luke 11. But Jesus is teaching us more than his promise to us. He's teaching us how to access the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. He, he uses this story of a guy who has a, a late night guest. And in that culture, it would have been common when someone's traveling and they arrive at your home, your job is to, to feed them. They've been on the road and they didn't have like McDonald's where you could just like pull in the drive through and grab something on the road. And so you needed to feed people when they arrived at your home. And so when the guests arrive late at night, this person doesn't have anything to offer. He can't do what he's supposed to do. He has a need and he can't meet it. And so he goes to his neighbor's house and it's, it's midnight. It's, everybody's in bed, right? It's, it's late at night. Everything's closed up and he knocks on the door. And the guest says, or the, the friend says, go, go away, man. It is late. Everything is locked up. We're in bed. Go away. But the guy keeps on knocking. He keeps on knocking. 
And, and the call is repeated. Go away, man. We're in bed. Everything's closed up. And I love what Jesus says in the story, that the guy doesn't get out of bed to give the food to the neighbor because they're friends. He makes this really clear. He didn't do it for the sake of friendship. Right? I mean, it's not like, I love this person. I'm going to get up and give them food. It's like, I want them to go away because I just want to go back to bed. And the only way to make this person stop asking is to give them what they want. Jesus is teaching us here that when we think about this promise of getting what we ask for, of, of finding what we're seeking, of having the door open to us, that there needs to be a persistence in our asking. That this isn't just something we ask for flippantly or one time and then we forget about it and move on with our lives. That there's this desire, this hunger, this thirst to get something that we need, a, a need that we cannot meet in and of ourselves. And then Jesus goes on to the second promise and he says, your father will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him. And, and he talks about fathers, earthly fathers. He says, when your kids come to you and they ask you for food, a fish or an egg, to nourish the life inside of them, you don't give them things that will take the life away from them. You actually give them what they've asked for. And if you, as earthly, sinful human beings, know how to give the right gifts to your children that will nourish the life inside of them, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? I'm gonna ask the band to come back because we're gonna spend some time this morning asking the Father for what we need. And when we think about Luke 11, there are really two things that I want to just kind of emphasize that I hope we will take with us throughout this entire series. That when we come to a place in our lives where we've been striving in our own effort and, and we're not doing that well, maybe we're on that roller coaster ride, ups and downs, ups and downs. When we've come to the end of ourselves in that moment, we ought to go knock on the door of the one who can help us. And we ought to keep on knocking with a passionate pursuit. Because we have a need in our lives, a need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we can't do that ourselves. We need God to do that work in our lives. And so we have to passionately pursue him. I've been praying for our church all this summer long that when we get to 21 days of prayer this year, that we will have a renewed passion to pursue God. Just like the deer pants for water, we have to long after him. We are called to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if we do, we will be filled we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that we need in this world will be added to us. We must have a passionate pursuit of God. But at the end of it all, it's not just about what we do. It's about surrender, full surrender. It's about saying, just get rid of everything that's me, God, and you take control. You put me under the influence of your spirit. You are Lord. You are master. You are in control of everything. And I just empty myself and I give myself to you. And so as we come to the end of this service, 
we're going to just give you some space because I think there are people in this room who have a form of godliness, but you're denying the power that God's made available to you. You started in the spirit, but you've been trying to go forward in your own human effort. And I just want to invite you to stop striving today. Stop striving and just ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit in all of his fullness and let him take control of your life. The band's gonna lead us in this song and I wanna invite you to stand with us and sing with us. But as we're singing, some of you need to seek the Lord this morning. And I just wanna let you know, these altars are open. You can come and kneel or stand down front. You can sit in these front pews but we need a fresh outpouring of God's spirit in our lives. And some of you desperately need that today. So as we sing this song, I wanna encourage you to seek the Lord and let him take control.